This is Will Ford from Football 365, and you're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. What's up, everyone? You're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. On this week's episode, we're going to be discussing the question Is this the end for Frank Lampard's tenure at Chelsea as manager? And if it is, who is the perfect candidate to be the next Chelsea manager? Now here are your hosts all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I am your host Mikey and today we're, we're a bit downtrodden but we're going to try and go through a very controversial topic. We're going to sail through it and uh, try not to cause too much friction but we're joined by two co-hosts as always. We, I am even, uh, Berth and Chris. How are we doing guys? Hello, yeah I'm good. I'm kind of looking forward to this podcast, kind of not. It's going to be a fiery one, let's say. I'm looking forward to it. Chris, I know you've got some notes written down. I can't wait to hear them. How are oh. you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm actually really looking forward to this episode. It, it's nice to be able to talk to people who care as much as I do. Yeah, that's a fair that's point. That's true. Very true. Yeah, Very true. We, yeah, I mean, we were going to do a, a little... We, no bones about it, I'll be honest. We were going to do an Eden Hazard topic, which we've saved, got it on the back burner, but considering what's kind of going on, might not even happen next week. I mean, depending on what happens in the next seven days. Yeah, you just don't know if our football club, as everybody knows. But yeah, with that, we're going to head into the newsroom and it's a busy one. Papers are all over the floor. We're, we're going to see it. Um, let's see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. So, it may have been moved from its initial date, but we had a bit of a derby game this week. First up, we travelled to Craven Cottage to take on Fulham. Quite a touch and hit from Chilwell. In the end, it's a cross. Poured out to Mount. And Chelsea had the breakthrough. Well, we won 1-0, but it was one of those games where we come away feeling a bit odd. I mean, a win's a win. Uh, the performance was not there at all, which is something we're going to be touching on a fair bit. Uh how did we feel about that mixed game? I think the important thing is is that we won. I think Fulham are a team that are in form at the moment, so it was a tough game because we're absolutely not in form. Um, when it went down to 10 men, I think if we'd have lost that or drew that, it'd have been very, very disappointing. It, we didn't take advantage of the 10 men by any means. I thought he was very slow in possession, as per usual. It's, I, mean, I feel like I'm saying that every single week now, but we were... Um, again, for a, even though it was a win, it's very spineless performance. I felt um, no one really looking like they cared. I was putting a hundred percent effort in. The only positive I think from that game is is Mason Mount really, who again is showing why he is captain material, why he shouldn't really be dropped. Whoever the manager is going forward. Yeah, I mean a bit of a shout on Fulham before I bring Chris in. They've done really well. I mean, their last four games, they took on Southampton, they drew 0-0. Tottenham, 1-1. They obviously lost 1-0 to us, just. And that was, they had 10 men still were looking the better team. And they only just lost last night to uh, to Man United. So, they've, they've Scott Parker's doing an incredible uh, turnaround job there. So, fair play to him. Um, Chris, what that game, go on, give us your thoughts. Uh, I thought it was just another typical Chelsea game, to be honest, I think. The 10 men really helped us. I I don't believe we would have won that game if they kept 11 men on the pitch. We was dominating possession, but not really doing anything with it, which is just 
usual for us, really. Lots of passing around the back, but never wanting to go forward. That's why it didn't look like they had 10 men when they did, because we don't move the ball through the thirds quick enough. We don't switch the play quick enough. And when we do, we just play it backwards to switch it back again. It was slow, laboured, but it looked like a team who had no confidence. But we got over the line and got the win. I thought Mount was the only positive. Mount and probably Hudson-Odoi coming off the bench was the only positive from that game. Yeah, I mean, my notes, obviously, we'll go into more with the topic and technically Leicester's going to be one together. But uh, pros I had, we won the game. Mason Mount was outstanding. Hudson-Odoi changed the game. We've all pretty much agreed on that. Uh, the cons, pretty much everything else. I mean, Timo, he needs a rest. He, he needs a rest. I mean, the poor guy cannot score a Premier League goal. I mean, his last was against Sheffield United on match day eight, which is so far ago, really. Um, Aspilicueta, for me, he's got heart. He's got passion. I, I love him. He, he's, he has that determination, and he is going to be a true icon of our side. From Well, he's a true icon already from the past decade, but... His legs, they've gone. They have gone, and it's a shame. I mean, we saw it with Ivanovic as well and during his sort of end. Um, he, he needs help down that side if he's going to not play centrally. Uh, you, you cannot, as a Chelsea fan in my eyes, come away happy with that game. You know, we did get the three points, but we were just poor. And it, it's unconvincing against a 10-man, you would say, relegation favourite. And it, it's just madness. I mean, when they went down to 10 men, I thought, oh, we've probably, we've probably won this. I wasn't confident at any point that we had won this game because I didn't know if they had 10 men. It didn't show, not on our behalf. It was quite a worry, that is. Um, we'll probably maybe touch on this game a little bit more, but after that, we were straight off to Leicester City as we took on the man that many have said could be our next potential next manager. So, yeah, we head to Leicester. And it's a chance for 2-0 at the other end. And it's put away by Madison. A loop ball, he kept running into the box. Not one of his most spectacular goals, but a very important one. And it's Leicester 2, Chelsea well, 0. If you watched Liverpool versus Man United and felt that was a dreadful game, surely this was up there with that. Uh, a 2 0 defeat to a Leicester side who were, they were up for the game, we'll be honest. They were putting in a top show. Uh, they put a Chelsea side to the sword. Now, Listeners, I decided to do something, as you can obviously tell by how we've spoke, that we haven't done before, and that's combine a game review into the main topic, because this week, how could we not? Uh, we'll be back to talk that Leicester result and what it means for Chelsea, Lampard and more going forward after this. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back, listeners. So, that Leicester game, Lampard, the future. Uh, guys, what was your analysis on the game? I mean, I'll go back to the point that I've made on previous podcasts. As soon as we go 1-0 down, it's like we just don't have any ideas. So, we just crumble, almost. Um, it was terrible defending. I mean, Madison said in his uh, post-match interview that you know Chelsea's weakness is that they switch off from set pieces and he's absolutely right and it's shocking that it's that easy to see that we're weak from set pieces yeah we've been better since Thiago's come in but those little lapses of concentration are still happening I mean there's no way that Pudisic should have been left two on one for the corner it's a good finish from Ndidi I don't think he really meant to slice it but it's gone in it's a good goal 
Um, British have never got to him. I think we lost it completely in midfield. I think James Madison absolutely ran the show. I think Kovacic is absolutely not a holding midfield player. I think we would have been better off with Billy Gilmore. I think Kovacic is way too ill-disciplined. He gets caught out far too easily up the pitch. He presses. He's almost too eager to win the ball too far up the pitch. And I think he can be just quite rash. Um, as for creating chances, it, it never really happened for us. I thought Hudson Adore, even though he's played well off the bench recently, he got his chance tonight uh, against Leicester Sorry. And, well, he, he didn't perform really. Um, Reese James came back. That second goal, his defending for that is, I mean, a Sunday league team should never concede a goal like that, let alone a top four Premier League team. Reese James should be ashamed of that defending because it is awful. It really is so, so bad. Um, I mean, it left me fuming that goal did. Um, and from then on, he just, it was just so poor. It was sloppy. It was slow. Everything we've been in the past three, four weeks just culminated in that game against Leicester and it was just a disaster. It really was a disaster. I think the only bright spark was that once again, Mason Mount showed great character and why he should be in the team. Um, I sound like a broken record, but it's true. Only person that shows a bit of passion. Um, Werner coming off the bench, I thought, actually looked quite sharp. Very, very unlucky not to get a goal, to be honest. I mean, how that is offside... I just don't know because it, it really isn't. I know you've got the rules and stuff that will say it is, but let's be honest, he's, he's level. He's not offside. Um, Havertz shown glimpses, but again, faded at a few points. But other than that, my God, did we look shocking. Leicester deserved it. They ran us ragged. They were the better team by a mile. And looking at that performance, we ain't going to get top six, let alone top four. Well, I mean, for me, Frank Lampard, he needed a big performance against Leicester. That that was quite apparent. Uh, the fans wanted the response from the side that we, we limped past 10-man Fulham last weekend. And what we got was neither. And we got a team performance that can be best described with, as I put it, the shrug emoji. I mean, others would say the words, maybe down tools. But yeah, it was a shrug. It was like, mm. I mean, it would be easier to make a list of negatives. So, so I actually did. Uh, we'd love to hear our, your thoughts on these negatives, of course, guys. Um, it, it's just titled things Chelsea didn't do against Leicester and it's six points and it was communicate and move away from the ball, have creative first touches, have a meaningful supply from crosses, win the 50-50 balls from the, uh, you know, and also the counter-attack, I mean, create separation from defenders, uh, try creative incisive passing because, yeah, there was no positional awareness between defenders either as we saw from the first goal and or second goal. Uh, it was a rock-bottom performance. I mean, that, that's for me. Uh, Chris, jump in. I don't really know where to start, but I'll, I'll start with first point about the corner. I've been saying for a long time that I don't understand why we bring every single outfield player back to defend a set piece. Mm. I think the, the, I understand from a point of view of the more people you've got back to defend, the more chance you've got of clearing the ball. But it just allows the opposition to bring more men forward. And we have no threat on corners uh, in terms of going the other way. So teams aren't worried about sending that extra man into the box. It's not just the fact though, that we're bringing in all 10 men back. It's the fact that all 10 men go inside the penalty area. We never have anyone patrolling the edge of the box. If you're bringing everyone back for a corner, a goal like Ndidi should never happen. 
because your furthest forward player should be on the edge of your penalty area for those loose balls. They shouldn't all be inside the, the 12, the 18 yard box trying to clear the ball. It just doesn't make any sense. Our entire setup and set pieces just doesn't make any sense and hasn't done for a long time. Um, I thought, aside from that, there was, there was nothing in it at all. We, we created nothing. I think you could have put you could have put a decent amateur team against us and, and we wouldn't have scored a goal. Uh, Reese James, I, I was watching Reese James really closely and one of the main problems that we have is we get the ball out wide and we have our fullback stretch the play. But it goes to Reese James and if you watch him next game, because I'm sure they'll do the same thing, every single time the ball comes to him, his first touch always kills it right under his feet then his only option is to play backwards. He never takes the ball on his back foot and opens the game out and allows himself to play forward passes. He gets the ball under control, dead at his feet, looks up and plays backwards. And then we go out the other side to Chilwell, who started doing the same, to be fair, in the Leicester game, started taking his first touch back towards his own goal every time. And I think what doesn't help as well is, and I think this doesn't help with Sonodoy, is the fact that our wide players... They come inside too early. If you look, when we switch from left to right, say, and the ball goes to Reese James, he has no option down the line because our right winger is right next to our centre forward. was so easy to defend against because everyone goes and plays in the same area. And I think that's why Havertz is struggling as well because I was watching him and I actually thought he took up some really good positions. But no one wants to find those passes between the lines. That's the main problem. I, th- I think uh, as well, just going to that point, sorry Chris, sorry to interrupt, um, yeah, I think yeah. I, I totally agree with you there, and, and you can see that our attacking players, and this is why Werner struggles, obviously he makes those runs in behind, that's his strength, but yet, because we're so slow and laboured on the ball, and we're not looking to pass forward, he's having to come and get the ball, and I was seeing it with Pulisic and hudson Doy. they was having to sort of come in field, or come closer to the ball, because we weren't sort of trying these risky passes, and trying to get in behind it's too like trying to be methodical almost and slow the game down and then try and cook it up but that's not how these players work these players are better off when the ball's moving quickly trying to get in behind because that they've got sheer pace of goods and a doy he's rapid he doesn't want to be coming in field or coming closer to strikers to try and get the ball because that's not his game he wants to be out wide trying to get at the fullbacks trying to get in behind and then feed tammy or jeru or Vern or whatever but because we're so slow, we're having to go back all the time because we're so easy to defend against. We're having to go back all the time. And something has to change in that aspect. Otherwise, it's going to keep happening and keep happening. Yeah, I yeah, mean... Exactly. Yeah, it's as simple as that. I mean, the question for me is that I'll put to you is why have we regressed so much this season? Big question. But You know what? I, th- I think a large part I know last year people were saying oh, Lampard needs to get a formation, stick to that formation. And I, I can see people's thoughts on that. But I think why Lampard did so well last year is because it was, he, he did various tactics and varied his game plans. You look at the game against Arsenal away last year, I think we started with... I think he may have started with five at the back and then changed it um, mid-game, went with a back four, yeah. then Jorginho came on. And yeah, then it, 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 it changed it, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. It changed the game and we won that game in the end. And then we look at Tottenham away last year as well when we won 2-0. We hadn't played a back five all season pretty much other than when we played against Wolves, I think. 
But that game, we played a back five against Spurs, now played them. This year, is always been 4-3-3. And the problem with playing that 4-3-3, with the midfielders we have got, as that holding midfielder, we have not got anyone in that midfield that can hold their position and hold their discipline. Kante can't do that. He's much better with a two. His best years at Chelsea when he was with Matic, because Matic just held his position and break up the play with him. Jorginho is too slow. Let's be honest, he hasn't got the legs to the Premier League. Great dictating play, but against the big teams, he gets found out. And Kovacic, I've obviously said, he get, he's far too eager to win the ball back. He gets caught out in possession, high up the pitch, and then he, he's out of position. So we haven't got that midfield to go that formation. So he, with that formation, we are getting overrun by teams like Leicester, who've got Madisons and Ndidis and Tielemans who can just dictate the play. And Man City's who've got obviously De Bruyne and this and that. We are going to get outplayed by those teams. And, you know, a lot of these teams have got a better structure than us. Because when we play at 4-3-3, we haven't got the players in midfield that can hold their shape. And when you can't hold your shape in the Premier League, you will lose by a big, big margin against the big teams. Yeah, I mean, my, my take on it, uh, the more I've seen this side play this second season... I mean, the more I'm starting to believe that perhaps Lampard benefited quite a fair bit from Maurizio Sarri and his tactics. I mean, that foundation and the mark he put on the team. I mean, you can, you can, we can all clearly see the team is getting worse and worse once Lampard is trying to implement his his stuff, his tactics, so to speak. Uh, if you cast your mind back to last year, in the first one to two months, we were playing slick football, quick short passing, play out of the press easily, and we had a lot of cohesive pressing as well. Then those things started to fade and the graph kept keep going downward forever since. That's kind of how I saw it. I mean, the passing out from the back and getting out of the press were fundamentals of Sarri's system. They've sort of worn off. And post-lockdown, it became almost like hoof the ball to Giroud. He'll hold it up. Pulisic and William will probably chip into the rest. And it sort of worked. I mean, we made that top four. But there's no progression of the ball. There's, it doesn't seem to be tactics. And just put in 11 quality players on the pitch and expect them to do the rest, it's not going to work. You need someone driving an idea. And, I mean, you see the same, almost you say, excuses in a, pre- a post-game press conference. It's, oh, they've got to do this, they've got to do that. You're like, you're the, you're the man. You've got to be making sure you drill them, make sure they do this. That, that's sort of how I'm taking it. I, I mean, mean I'm sorry to interrupt again, um, but I think going to, back to that sorry point, I don't think I don't agree with you there respectfully. Um, Fair enough. Because, Fair enough. That's why I, <laughs> I totally see what where you're getting at, but I think Sarri was really, really stubborn. And I think this year Lampard's actually been more like Sarri than last year. Because I think last year, like I said, Lampard was actually quite diverse. He was moving the ball quicker than he was under Sarri. Um and this year we've become very, very slow and methodical. Sarri, obviously, it, it worked for him because Sarri's worked on that sort of style for years and years. But Lampard hasn't. And I think that's why it worked under Sarri, but isn't this year under Lampard. So I, I think last year, Lampard was so good, you know, so good because of that variety in his tactics and he wouldn't be stubborn. But this year, I think he's been very stubborn. He's not making changes as early as he was last year. He's been very Maurizio Sarri-like. He's making the same substitutions. All the things that we hated about Sarri, Lampard is currently doing. And again, that has to change because, let's, let's be real, fans hated Sarri for it. But because it's Frank Lampard, they're sort of giving him a pass. Now, I love Frank Lampard. I always will love Frank Lampard. 
I think he will still be a good manager, but he's making some very, very bad decisions tactically. And I, I think he has to change things very, very quickly if he's to succeed as a manager. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair thing. I mean, the, the question is then putting forward, how come Frank can't seem to get the best out of one of the biggest summer recruitment drives in, in Chelsea history? I mean, Chris, what are your thoughts there? Well, I agree with what Bert was saying about the fact that I think Lampard is too rigid this year. I think at the minute he looks like a manager who just keeps putting out the same formation with different players in it and hoping that those players work it better. He keeps saying after matches, it's the same thing about, he keeps talking about running and effort. And that's, and that's great. And we can also, it, it's plain to see that some players aren't giving 100% and they aren't running the extra yards. But you could, when you're elite level, you can't, as a manager, be coming out after games talking about players running when they've got no tactical setup at all. Uh, and I, I honestly couldn't tell you at all what our plan is going into football matches. I have no idea what we're trying to do. And I think that's the main, my main problem with Lampard is the fact that he's almost, he's given up his own identity in terms of what he wants his teams to do. When he first got the job, he wanted to play a high press. Last summer, he was talking about he wants his team to play this high press, sort of almost Bielsa-like press, where he works his players into the ground, wins the ball back high up the pitch to have a better chance of scoring. That's gone. We don't press at all now. And now it seems he wants his teams to just run and work hard and then rely on individuals to win in games. I think that the, the signing problem has been the fact that he hasn't put trust in them. And I think that's ultimately what's cost him there. You, I think he, the, one of the fundamental mistakes he's made this season is with Timo Werner. I haven't really got that much of a problem with what he's done with Havertz because of the COVID situation and then yeah. easing him back in after that. Makes perfect sense. I haven't got a problem with the way he's used Havertz, really. But the Werner situation has almost been laughable. I think you don't sign a striker for over £50 million, play him on the wing... And then in the games where you do play him up front, he scores goals, and then you either play him on the wing again or drop him completely. And mm. then he played him against Morecambe, and he got a goal, and you think, okay, now you say to him, you've got your goal, now you go on a run. And then he dropped him. And then he dropped him again. And then when we were going to Leicester, you look at it and you think, Leicester play a high line. I watched Leicester play a few weeks ago against Man United, and they struggle with pace over the top. Why would you not play Werner? And just say to the team, we need to play forward quickly, get the ball out your feet and play into channels and play balls in behind Leicester's defence because they don't like it. And what concerns me is the fact that people have been saying, and Lampard said it himself, about the lack of time on the training pitch. But from the Morecambe game to the Fulham game, he had a full week of training with no game. True. And improved. And then from Fulham to Leicester, we had a full week with no midweek game. And we, we didn't get any better either. So whatever he's doing at training isn't translating to the players. Now, either the players just don't want to listen to him, which would be a worry in itself if they've lost faith in anything that he's saying, or he isn't being clear about what his instructions are, or he hasn't got a plan at all. And I think it was a couple of weeks ago he said, sometimes in games to win them, you rely on um, individuals to do something. And in a way, he's right, but elite-level managers don't rely on individuals to win in football matches. They, they set a team up that can win the game, whether people have poor games or not. And it just seems like Lampard's plan is 
4-3-3, put some good attackers on the pitch and hope they score more than the opposition score. Yeah. Um, I mean, from, yeah, go on, Chris. Sorry, um, I, I, th- I think, Chris, you're absolutely right, spot on. I think the Werner situation especially, I think you are right. I think the problem with Lampard this season, he's been, it seems like starting a play is very patchy. In periods of games, we're, we're playing really quick for, say, five, ten minutes, then it's stopping. Um, same with the yeah. pressing game. Five, ten minutes, we'll press high up the pitch, and then we'll stop. Whereas you look at the really, really good teams, and even like a team like Southampton under Hassan Thutel, like they press for 90 minutes, and Bielsa leads perfectly sample as well. They've got a game plan, and they stick to it for 90 minutes. And the problem with Chelsea is they've got a game plan, but it'll only last for five, ten minutes. Now, Lampard has to take responsibility for that because that's his style. That's the style he wants to implement. And if it doesn't happen for 90 minutes, he has to take it on the team because he's been working with these players. I know COVID is restricting the training times, but everyone else has got these training times as well. Like It's not like as if it's only Chelsea that are struggling to train. Everyone else is. Yeah. And, and Leicester, under Brendan Rodgers, you can t- tell their game plan. Leeds, Southampton, you can tell their game plan. Man City can tell their game plan. With us... Yeah, brilliant. Five, ten minutes. But then as soon as we get a setback or we can't score, our game plan goes out the window. And then it's like we panic or we start to slow things down a bit. And it almost seems as if the players run out of ideas and the manager runs out of ideas. And the players are looking at the manager for ideas. And the manager at the minute is looking for other players for ideas. And it's just not happening. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we've we, you've both touched on it. I mean, Chris, even more so. For me, it's similar to what I've said previously on episodes. It, it's a system. You know, how many times have I had a moan or complain assault because Werner's playing out of position yet again? I mean, a prolific goal scorer last season in a central role. Yeah, for us, he's on the wing game after game. It's just not going to work out. And yeah, his offside was unlucky, but that's just that's offside. I mean, Villa Villa fans will be quite annoyed at the Man City goal that went in. Um, that's just that's that's the offside rule. Whether you like it or not, it, it is one of them things. And and can I just say by the way, Ming should have just cleared that ball. I suppose so. I mean, he yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that would have just ruled that one out straight away. But yeah, carry on, carry yeah. on. I mean, it's just, it's so frustrating to see that it, the tactics don't seem to be there. Um, I'll I'll throw this bit out. This is like a sort of a two-parter question, but it's what should you know Chelsea do next? And if it's a likely change of manager, who's going to be that choice and why? Um, before I throw that, what I'd say is, you know, sentimentally, yeah, we'd all love Lampard to succeed. We would, you know, uh, and we'd all, and he does deserve patience, but that's Frank, the footballer, so to speak. Um, this is a very different situation. It's very difficult to, I, I get the, decis- the divisiveness within the fan base because of the, his stature as a legend, as a player, but this is a manager. And as a manager, has he done enough to deserve patience when we, I feel that it's becoming quite clear that it might not amount to anything? You know, I, I can count on one hand how many games I truly believe we've played well in this season. Uh, that's, that's my personal opinion. I mean, we've had heavy investment and we've got arguably the best squad we've had in years, yet we're regressing and apparently not ready to compete. That, that don't add up for me. I mean... Has this last two months been some of the worst football we've seen? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, there were worse points at, under Sarri, you know, for sure. Uh, there's no structure, there's no set systems. Lampard keeps changing his team. That doesn't help. Um, I'm sure he'll become a good manager one day. And maybe that's one day sooner than later. But I don't think Chelsea is probably the best place to learn on the job. Uh, it, we know how our board feel. We know they're very 
you don't make top four, you're gone. It's just how it is. Whether fans on social media like it or not, that is how our club runs. We need to be in the top four. And I'm seeing people, we've had the rumours this week, Haaland, is he going to be coming to a club in the Europa League? Probably not. I mean, we've got to be in the top four to be fighting out for Haaland. Simple as that. I, I think it will be a change in the dugout. It's just the way football goes. I'd not be shocked if it was after Luton or... I don't know when it will be, if it will come this season. I don't know. But, guys, what, what do you think Chelsea should do next? Uh, firstly, I'd like to just talk about the Twitter and the divisiveness on Twitter. I think I think both sides have got a point, you know, whether you're Lampard in, Lampard out. I can see both sides. I absolutely can see both sides. What I disagree with is the tacticness, if that's the word. It is now. But the toxicity around it. And if you're Lampard in and you see something you don't like, the Lampard out. Don't then abuse them and don't no. then like, no, no, send them abuse because they've got a different opinion to you. Everyone's allowed an opinion. It's how you put across that opinion as to whether, you know, you judge it or not. I think I've seen a lot of people saying about, you know, Fat Frank and all this and that is ridiculous. That is oh, absolutely that, not yeah, on. That is, so, like, if you are going into a Chelsea game calling Frank Lampard one of the best players ever to play for Chelsea, that. You are not a Chelsea fan. Equally, if you're going into a game wanting us to lose, so Lampard gets sacked, you're also not like, I don't think you should be a Chelsea fan. I think that's fair. And if you go, like keep posting uh, Lampard out, Lampard after every game or before every game, you're not a Chelsea fan. Equally, if you're Lampard in, don't be a dickhead, basically, is what I'm trying to get at. Be kind. Everyone goes on about mental health and this and that. Don't say about mental health and then abuse people because they've got a different opinion to you. Everyone's allowed an opinion. Having said that, I'll go into the real point now. Sorry for going off topic. No, real point. I see your point. Um, I do think it's a matter of when, not if he gets sacked. Unfortunately, like I said, I love Lampard and the best players growing up. I think he will be a great manager. I think this job probably has come too soon for him. Unfortunately, I said it on the group chat the other day. I personally think Brendan Rodgers would be the perfect replacement for him. Now, I think two years ago, people probably would have laughed if you'd have said Brendan Rodgers at Chelsea, but I think he's absolutely... He's up there as one of the world's best managers at the minute, I think. The job that he's done at Leicester, and even Celtic to a degree, has been nothing short of magnificent. The structure that he's got at Leicester, the players he's got, and how he's performing is absolutely incredible. He works with youth. You know, that Fofana for Leicester, he's only a young guy, and he's brilliant in the Premier League. He's getting the best out of James Madison, getting the best of Tielemans, getting the best out of a 33-year-old, 34-year-old Jamie Vardy. You know, and he has been at Chelsea before, Brendan Rodgers, so he knows the club. So I think he would fit perfectly to Chelsea. Personally, I wouldn't go for someone like, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Thomas Tuchel. I wouldn't go for him personally because of his track record of falling out with uh, the board. I think Hassan Hootel is a good shout. Premier League experience, German-speaking, plays a very good style of play, got a great press. His team have got a great press. Doing incredible considering the team he's got. Um, Allegri's one where I think, yeah, he's a proven winner in the Italian league. But I don't think he's a character that Chelsea fans have warmed to. And I think he has got a very defensive style of play. I don't think... I think Chelsea fans want us to play an attacking front foot style of playing. He just hasn't got that. He's very defensive. So for me, I think going forward, I think if we are to sack Lampard, I wouldn't get a stopgap manager. I'd get someone in straight away to implement their style of play. 
And for me, I think Brendan Rodgers would be perfect for that. that that's fair, fair enough. Uh, Chris? Yeah, well, he, I, I keep saying, keep hearing people saying about Lampard deserves time. Now, I'm all for giving a manager time. If you can see what they're trying to do, but it's just not working out. Now, pun, like pundits have been doing the same. It's not just people on Twitter. Some pundits have been doing the same about comparing Lampard to when Jurgen Klopp took over at Liverpool and how long it took Klopp to implement his style. But if you look at Jurgen Klopp's first couple of years at Liverpool, you could see what he was trying to do. They were losing games 4-3. They were playing really good football. They just had a terrible goalkeeper and a defence that wasn't good enough. And as soon as they sorted that out, he went on to win things. And you knew he would because you could see the style of play that he had. My problem with Lampard is the fact that I don't see any style of play. I don't think he's put any sort of stamp on this Chelsea team at all. I think you could watch this team, you could watch the Sarri team, and you wouldn't know the difference. He hasn't changed anything. He talks a lot about whenever we win a game, he talks about we need to find consistency, but then the team, the week after, puts out a different team. I think they said during the Leicester game that he's used 11 different combinations of forwards this season and then moans about them not being able to find any consistency. But they're not going to. If you've got forward players, they need to play together for a period of time to know where each other's going to be. That's If you look at what, again, going back to what Klopp did at Liverpool, when he signed Salah, Firmino, Mane, he didn't keep dropping them in and out of the team. He brought them, he put them in the team, and he said to them, go and play together. And then they did, and that's why they've become such a good front three, even though they, I mean, they've dropped off at the minute, but we, we know how good that Liverpool front three can be. In terms of, in terms of Lampard, though, I, just, I would be amazed if he turned it round from here. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's just based on the fact that he's had time now to work with this team, and every game it's, it's getting progressively worse. I don't think his man management has been great. I think, you know, when you look at it, last season, he left Giroud out. He couldn't even get in the squad. Then all of a sudden, he was in the starting lineup and saving our season. He's done the same with Jorginho. He's done the same with Rudiger. This season, it feels a bit like he doesn't want to upset anybody. So that's why he's changing the team so much, to make sure everyone gets some game time. But you can't do that as a top manager. You have to be ruthless and you have to pick your best team to get a result. And if that means players miss out, then players miss out. And I think that's where he's really let himself down this year. He hasn't trusted in any starting eleven that he's put out there for a consistent period. I think I agree with what Burst said though. I think if we if we was to make the change, which I would be amazed if we didn't, I'd love it if he turned it around and we suddenly went on a, a massive win streak. That'd be Agreed. great. Yeah. I just can't I just can't see it happening. So yeah. if we was to make the change though, I do agree about about the Allegri point. I mean we do keep talking, though, about we've wanted a manager who's played a good brand of attacking football for a, probably a decade, and we've never got it. We've never got that manager and got results. So I don't know whether that is even the right direction to go, but I think Brendan Rodgers would be a great shout. Whether you get him away from Leicester, I don't know. Hassan Hooter would be my other choice, I think. Because again, he likes using young players. He knows how to build something. He plays a good brand of football, but not so open that you're going to take risks at the back. He's, Southampton teams are still quite rigid and difficult to beat. So, Hassan Hootle or, or Rogers would be my choice. Yeah. Well, one thing, sorry, again, sorry to interrupt, but one thing I would say about Lampard, what I would, if I was him right now, if I was in his shoes, got Luton coming up at home, more than winnable game, should be easing past Luton. 
if I was him, I'd actually mix it up and not play four three three. I'd get Timo in the team, trying to get him some more confidence. Why not play four four two at the weekend and just see what happens? If we go and smash Luton six or seven nil, then why not keep that formation four four two? I think you've got Wolves next in the Premier League. Why not go into that game playing four four two? They're low on confidence. Wolves will be buzzing from beating Luton. You know, Werner if he scores a few goals will be banging form. You know, if you play Jeru or Tammy, they'll be happy because, let's be honest, they've been scoring goals, so they shouldn't be dropped anyway. You know, so, you know, it pleases everyone and it shows that he's actually got a bit of, you know, variety this season. So just playing 4 3 3 over and over again. It's become too predictable, and that's what Lampard was so good at last year, has been unpredictable in how he sets up his teams this year. It's predictable. And, um, you know, he does yeah. need to change it. Tuchel, Hassan Hoosel, and Rogers are on my bit of paper. You know, there's talk of Nagelsmann. I mean, but he won't be let go halfway through a season. I mean, there's too much smoke without fire to suggest that Lampard's going to get next season. It'd be very unlikely. You never know, because obviously you just you just don't know it's football. But yeah, Tuchel, I mean, tactically he's good and he would likely get a tune out of our side and hopefully Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. But remembering at both Dortmund and PSG fell out with the team and the board, that's not a good omen, especially with our board. Uh, Hassan Hutel, he's, he's Premier League proven. And he turned around a Southampton team after a 9-0 demolition against Leicester. And they're a strong, decent side. Again, a relationship with Werner doesn't always work that way. Obviously, we know Torres and Rafa Benitez. It didn't didn't kickstart how we thought, but it was reasonable. Um, I know we won a trophy, but, you know, we, we kind of probably thought, oh, he's going to be like Torres of Liverpool days. But uh, And Rodgers, yeah, love him, like him, or just groan at the sound of his name. He, he went to Celtic to rebuild himself, tick. Uh, he took the job at Leicester, done a top job there. His side did fall off last season at the back end. But, you know, this season he, he's carried on and he's gone upwards. I mean, he's got a relationship with Chelsea due to working under Mourinho as the youth manager and reserve manager. And he doesn't say a bad word about ownership. So that's tick, tick, tick from our board. It's it's one of them. I mean, I, I'd say logically based on pandemic and how much it costs to pay out contracts. I don't know if Nagelsmann has a release clause. I didn't think he did. Uh, Rogers is going to cost money as well. Hassan Hootel too. Uh, Tuckle is probably the most likely candidate just because of that that cost of buying someone out of a contract. I could be wrong. Maybe we will invest in a, a another manager, but hard to say. So, yeah, it, it's going to be keeping your eyes going forward. I mean, how I'll conclude, and I'll let you guys jump in as well. Frank Lampard could become a great manager one day. But sadly, it seems right now the job is just not going to work out for him. Um, I, I wouldn't be at all shocked to see him turn up at Celtic ahead of next season to take on Steven Gerrard's Rangers. Uh, or maybe he'll choose to be a pundit or a coach. I mean, the world's your oyster. And we'll have to wait and see. Uh, guys, what, what do you think? You know, final conclusions, so to speak. I mean, I th- let's face it, we all love Frank Lampard. Nothing will ever change that. Like, of course. This managerial reign whether it ends now or in three, four years' time. Nothing will change my mind on that we love Frank Lampard. I mean, I I think last year he did a phenomenal job. No one expected us to finish top four last year at the start of the season. He did a great job in a really difficult time for the club. So I'll never forget what he'd done for us that season. This year, it's not working out at the moment. And if he does get sacked, I think Lampard has too good of a footballing brain and he's too hardworking and determined not to make it as a football manager. So whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, whether it's abroad, whether it's in England, I think he will still go to the very, very top. 
at being a football manager? Yeah, I would I would say that I mean he'll almost certainly I think get the loot and go now. And I think that's that's massive for him. I think if he can if we can win that convincingly and then he was to go and beat Wolves, who's to say we couldn't go on and run? As I said earlier, I, I just with the way that we're playing, I just can't I can't see that happening. From Lampard's point of view, I think it's just a shame for him. I just think this job was too early. I don't think you mm. can be a manager learning learning on the job in such a high pressure situation. Like if you look at some of the names we said, really, like Rogers and Hassan Hootel, they've they've gone places where the pressure isn't as high. You know, Rogers at Leicester, they're not expecting to win the Premier League. It would be great if they did, but that isn't the expectations of Leicester. So it's not hard at those clubs to overachieve. I think no matter what he did at Chelsea, almost Lampard, short of winning the title this year, I think anything else, everyone would have said, yeah, it's probably about right for the amount of money you spent. And I think that's the problem when you're young and inexperienced, you need to go to a club where expectations aren't that high. And I think if, if or when he does leave, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go back down to the championship. And I think he, he would have to really to rebuild himself. And then who's to say he can't come back in a few years when he's more experienced? Because let's face it, we'll probably be changing managers again. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's the way of the world, especially the way of Chelsea. Um, yeah, I, I feel with that, like we, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. We, we'll see how it plays out from here. I mean, you never know. You never know. So with that, we'll delicately plug our social media in case some people are upset by and we try to be fair, we try to be reasonable, but also realistic as well. Um, where where can we be found if we want to be found? Um, Chris, would you like to go first this week? Okay. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Chris09Adam. And on Twitter, I'm at Chris Burford. And you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram as that redhead dude. But for all things at the Bridge Pod, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for searching for at the Bridge Pod. So you can drop us a like, a follow, send us some abuse. Please don't do that. Uh, <laughs> follow and follow to keep up to date on all things Chelsea. So till next time, listeners, that is us signing off.